0: Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back. Recently, I have mentioned how I like the offseason because we can talk about anything. But today, this is probably the most important topic we could think to come up with. It's extremely official and extremely critical that this is done. Um, Cody, we realized that the NBA debuted the Western Conference and Eastern Conference MVPs, in the 2022 playoffs, a long overdue addition to just the lonely silliness of the finals MVP. We have the Larry Bird trophy in the Eastern Conference and the Magic Johnson trophy in the Western Conference. And as someone who has wanted a playoff MVP for a long time, I was very happy to have another sort of point of acknowledgement in a critical part of the NBA playoffs, you know, those final four teams that meet, those are usually championship-level teams. So I was very excited about this. But the problem is, Cody, there's only there's only been two that have ever been handed out.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a huge gap, a place where two people that might be interested in this question could try and fill in those gaps, Ben.
0: Yeah, the, like the gap is that uh, we've got a lot of NBA history, but only two conference finals winners. So today, unfortunately... If you're listening, this suspense is worth nothing because you probably read the title of this silly podcast. But yeah, Cody and I are going to go back and we are going to try to fill in and vote. We, I mean, we could call it the official, but maybe maybe it's not a, technically the official winners. of It's, it's the, the official
1: thinking basketball winners. It's the official
0: thinking basketball winners of the conference finals MVP. Uh, and of course when we first came up with this idea I I wanted to do all 136 conference finals that have ever been played that's a that's a wee bit too much so today on our project journey who knows how long we'll go for um we said we're going to do the 21st century I guess technically 2000 is in the last century but who needs to get into that numerology uh so we're going to go 2000 to 2021 and Fill out the official Thinking Basketball Conference Finals MVPs uh, in the future. We will come back and we will do the Eastern Conference, and then we can have some fun. And then we'll actually have 44 Conference Finals MVPs to compare and analyze, and we can kind of add to the postseason accolades that we have. So we'll do that at the end when we wrap up. But today, boy, we have a lot of series to get to. 22... Playoff series in the West. Some of them are slam dunks, and we will go through them very quickly. Some of them are compelling and fascinating, and we will get stuck there, no doubt. Um, and some of them are absolutely impossible. And if if you want to talk or someone wants to call in and talk about music or television during those series, that would be fantastic as well because, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but the 2021 Western Conference Finals, I'm not even sure there should be a, there should an MVP given
1: out in Could, that series. So, so are you ready? Are you pitching this as a radio show now? Do you want to, like, give out a phone number and, and have people call in? Is that what you're wanting?
0: Well, I think for this this exercise we need all the help we can get don't you think oh yeah let's let's do this ben let's do it okay let's let's start in 2000 let's go back in time go back to the year 2000 um, the western conference finals if you recall kind of a classic series between the blazers and the lakers the lakers Go up 3-1. This is Shaq's MVP season in the year 2000. Kobe is emerging, although I think we all kind of agree he doesn't really hit his stride and his prime until the next season. Um, Lakers go up 3-1 on the Blazers. Lose Game 5 at home. Goes 3-2. Go back to Portland. Portland sends it to Game 7. Portland has all this momentum. They're up by 15 points in the fourth quarter. Mike Dunleavy... Has some questionable substitution patterns that I still haven't recovered from. 20-something years later, great comeback by the Lakers. Kobe Bryant was huge in that fourth quarter comeback. Um, Cody... Any other thoughts you want to add on this before we talk about the
1: MVP of this series? You get the iconic lob, Ben. I like there, there's a couple of moments that I'm going to pause and just highlight when they happen, and this is when the Kobe crossover throws it up. Shaq gets the one-handed dunk, and he's pointing up to the crowd. That's just—I think—that's the one moment people think about when they think about this series.
0: We we should also mention that we had the Thinking Basketball Discord community vote on this series as well. So we maybe have another alternative perspective uh, than just you and I sitting up here and bloviating about these things. Um, So we got 30, I think, 38 official voters, which is really cool. And we will reference after we talk about these series their votes to see where we agree or disagree. But, you know, when they hand out the finals MVP, it's like nine media members voting in a hurry. At the, at the end of the series, um, like I always imagine like they, had, they get like a note card passed around to them at, on press row and they're like, get this back to me in five minutes so we can tally the votes. Um, so here we at least got 39 alter, alternate perspectives. I mentioned that to say that the winner in the Discord voting got almost all the votes, but um, Kobe did pick up a few votes. And I agree here. I think the MVP of this series was Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, He had an enormous Game 1, 41 points and 5 blocks in a victory. He was somewhat lackluster after that. I talked about this in his Greatest Peaks profile, where the size and defensive prowess of the Blazers were able to keep him in check. And then the interesting part of this series is in that Game 7 comeback part of the kind of indelible moments for people who are familiar with that series and for Lakers fans is how well Kobe Bryant played in the second half. Uh, he was all over the court. He made a number of timely baskets. He made a number of big defensive plays in the second half. So he does pick up votes here. I did think about Kobe for series MVP. The Blazers are more of an egalitarian team. So they didn't have any real contenders for me, by the way, as a spoiler, I will be voting for losers. How do you feel about that? Cody, Co- Cody, I will be voting
1: for guys who did not win the series. Are you okay with that? I think it depends on the degree to winning and losing. Because at one point, like, there's the question of, are you just falling prey to winning bias and just assigning it to somebody? Or are you being like, this player is the reason that they were even in it in the first place? So I think that's a really tough uh, balancing act to do. So yeah, I'm ultimately okay with it.
0: I'm surprised you haven't grilled me on a definition yet. That's usually uh, your favorite thing to discuss when we talk about MVPs. Um, Cody actually did ask me in in prep offline, and my answer is kind of, uh, which, which makes me amenable to voting for players not on the winning team. My answer is essentially, I'm looking for the guy in the series who I think his play influenced winning the series the most. So sometimes that can come, from a losing team. I think philosophically, some people are uncomfortable with voting for losing players in these series, which is fascinating because in the first NBA finals, Jerry West was on the losing team. It was a seven game series. And so you would expect, especially in a seven game series to have more guys that could kind of fall in line with that. But it seems like there's been some legal precedent that has been set over the years where you're no longer allowed to vote for a losing player, especially if it's a losing player, In a more lopsided series. So for me, I'm very comfortable with that in close series, seven game series, six game series. If it's a five game series, and I feel like it's not a close five game series, then I do start to feel that philosophical resistance to voting for a losing player. But in this case, it wasn't really on the table for me, because I think Shaq and Kobe were probably the two best players in the 2000 Western Finals.
1: So you bring up you were surprised I didn't say anything yet, Ben. This, is, this might be a long pod. And, you know, I have my spices to the side. I got my pepper, and I was going to pepper in these questions as we go. So I, I was going to wait for the moment that the question was going to be useful. But now that you've brought it up, let me ask you then, How do you imagine that somebody is, like, the most valuable to their team's chances to winning? Like, in your mind, do you do the negative version of it? Do you, like, imagine the two teams going against each other with X player off the roster? Is that, like, how you do this thought experiment when you're thinking about it?
0: No, 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 no. For me, it's about assessing the player's play almost on a per-play basis. Now, that's hard to do. Going back in time without rewatching these series under a microscope, but the concept is still the same. I'm still trying to think about who played the best basketball, whose defense and decision making and passing and scoring and, and off ball movement and all the facets of the game that provide value. Who did that from game to game in a way that, yeah, maybe there's some team context and coaching involved, but I'm just watching that going, okay, that guy was the quote unquote best player in the series.
1: Okay, now I want to shout out one other player in this two thousands Western Conference Finals: Rasheed Wallace for the for the Blazers. Actually, averaged more points per seventy five on better efficiency than Shaq during the series. So you know, Sheed was out there doing his thing. It was a lot more egalitarian. He wasn't dominating in the same latent way in the post that Shaq was. But I think the key thing that really sets Shaq apart, Ben. Shaq averaged forty six minutes a game in this series. Forty six minutes a game I didn't do a game by game breakdown but to me that's like whatever factors going into it Shaq is like right up there with his contributions but he also basically played as much as you possibly could especially with someone his size
0: yeah I think he would have been the blazer Probably to vote for is that he averaged more points
1: per possession than Shaq. Yeah. Is that right? That's that blows my mind. I'm pretty I double checked it here. Rashid averaged twenty four point six per seventy five, Shaq twenty three point five. Yep. And yep. Sheed was fifty eight point two true shooting and Shaq was fifty five true shooting.
0: Wow. That's yeah. a that's a fascinating factoid. Okay, let's in the interest of time, um Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal. I'll, also, Cody's here. If I say something crazy, he's going to say how c- how could you vote for that player? And then that's when we'll get stuck. Um but I'm going Shaq official 2000 Western Conference Finals MVP from thinking basketball, are you good with that? Can we move on?
1: Yeah, I'm going to try and put this for my own notes here as we go. Even though you probably have it somewhere, I'm going to do this as we go.
0: So yeah, let's we move probably on. should write it down. It's it's a good it's a good idea to write it down so we can come back to it. Speaking of coming back to it, 2001, the Lakers are right back in the Western Conference Finals. This time, playing the Spurs. If you've forgotten, this was a series. Uh, this was a showdown. This was a series of the reigning champs. The 2000 Lakers won the championship over the uh, Pacers in six games. The 99 Spurs won the championship with the Twin Towers, Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Only Tim Duncan did not play in the 2000 playoffs. 2000 playoffs. So when they met in 2001, there was this thinking, Cody, that you know now we're going to get to see who the real heavyweight is. This is this is a Frazier Ali moment. And it turned out it was uh, more like Mike Tyson versus Peter McNeely. It, it, it was someone had to throw in the towel. Man, I'm going to get in so much trouble for ancient boxing references. Uh, my my modern boxing knowledge is is quite limited. But basically, this was a landslide. This was not only a four game sweep. This was an absolute destruction. Of the Spurs, the Lakers were in prime form. They were white hot. I believe Derek Fisher made 15 of his 23-pointers in the series. That is a Fred Van Vliet-esque 75%. Uh, Shaq was great. Kobe Bryant was, I mean, he tortured San Antonio. San Antonio built to stop Shaq and they had more attention on Shaq, and that left Kobe to do his thing. They just did not have wing defenders in this series. I believe Derek Anderson, the starting shooting guard, was injured for much of the series, so they didn't have the bodies to throw at Kobe, and and Kobe just absolutely tortured them. He put up in this series, in uh, my back picks, box plus minus model that we reference here sometimes, he was plus 12.1 in that series. It's one of the best series on record of the last 21 years where we have that data we should also mention that he led that series in the basketball uh reference sorry i switched those numbers the back picks uh bpm is plus 11 basketball reference is plus 12.1 that's one of the highest single series average in basketball references history since that stat goes back he, kobe was just fantastic 33 points per game um I'm voting Kobe Bryant here.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And when I went back and looked at it, A, you were right about the fact that the Spurs were were built in a way that was able to counteract them. They had the Twin Towers thing defensively. But offensively, something that I found interesting is that David Robinson who was Shaq's main assignment, was able to stretch Shaq a little bit more. So they were able to take advantage of the fact that Shaq wasn't able to cover out and defend that. So he was actually turned a little bit more into a defensive liability there. And I didn't think they quite had the wing defenders to to stop Kobe as much as they were able to stop Shaq. So I think Kobe's a good pick.
0: Yeah, and Shaq had a good series. But when I think of this series, I think of Kobe... I think of Derek Fisher and his shooting. It's it's only like 23s, but it's five threes per game at 75%. Um, I think of the overall team play of the Lakers. So we, we should mention this was one of our closer votes in the Discord voting. Shaq picked up 17 votes, and Kobe got the other 21. So mm. here we're in agreement. Kobe Bryant takes the 2001 Magic Johnson. Am I allowed to hand out the Magic Johnson trope? I mean, I don't have it on you know, my person, but maybe um, I like referencing the the Magic Johnson trophy. So 2001 goes to Kobe. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
0: 2002, Cody, don't get confused. The Lakers were right back at it again, this time against the Sacramento Kings in another
1: classic seven-game series. So I think what we can glean from these first three seasons is that Chris Webber, Rashid Wallace, clearly better than Tim Duncan. I think that's the big takeaway so far. Is that is that what the people are saying? I, I certainly hope not. Not the people I, I ever want to interact with.
0: Uh, it's funny you mentioned Chris Webber because Chris Webber, I think, is the primary Sacramen- Sacramento Kings candidate in this series. This was a seven-game series. Not only a seven-game series, but a seven-game series that went into overtime in Game 7. So right away, I was thinking like, okay, you know, either team could have uh, a prime candidate here. Mike Bibby had a really key series in the high pick and roll this <laughs> had the high pick and roll back then it was the high pick and roll it was 18 feet away cody and i've been watching 80s games uh, all summer and they call everything the high pick and roll outside the free throw line it's it's uh it's quite amusing so bibby had a really good series but the rest of what he provided for sacramento Kind of wasn't entirely there for me, and I think um, Chris Webber and Vladi Dvort and their passing, uh, their scoring post game, even some of their defense stretching the Lakers, and even with Bibby, you know, Bibby Webber pick and roll if Shaq's on Webber stretching Webber, I mean stretching Shaq on defense, same thing um, with Vladi pick and pop stretching Shaq. I thought these were the things that were kind of key as I rewatched the series recently. Um, and so I kind of like Weber as the main Kings candidate here, and then of course on the Lakers side you have Kobe and you have Shaq.
1: Yeah, and I think something that really hurt the Kings too is when they went away from that because that is that's a big tandem with Chris Weber and Divotch, But Scott Pollard coming off the bench, like I feel like pretty much any time he was in, just Shaq was Shaq was just abusing him. There was nothing that Scott Pollard was going to do. He felt like one of those guys that was like in the league, he was kind of big and could rough Shaq up, but he couldn't really rough Shaq up.
0: You didn't think the strategy of Scott Pollard and Lawrence Funderburk for heavy <laughs> minutes was, uh, was a winning one for Rick Adelman? In, in all seriousness, um, and I think this kind of plays into the voting and how I think about these series. I've mentioned this before. The latent value you bring into one of these series is important and not always picked up in our box score metrics or if we're not able to really deep dive all seven games on film. And in Shaq's case, teams would just store these big men on the roster to be able to pick up fouls against him and buy minutes against him and not have the starting center physically wear down and break in half because he had to bang with Shaq for 42 minutes a game. So that's why Pollard was in. That's why Funderburk was in. um, and, And, you know, Shaq continued to do his thing in this series. Interesting note here. If you look at the box score, Basketball Reference's box score has him as the best player in the series, um, their BPM model, at plus seven. Our model uh, ba- at Backpicks has Robert Ori as the best player in the series, and that's one of those things where it's like you're playing good defense. The model thinks you're playing good defense. You're not taking an, anything off the table on offense. You're stretching the floor. You're shooting threes. You're making efficient plays. And, of course, I mentioned that because Robert Ori had a shot at the end of Game 4 that swung the series. Game 4 in Los Angeles, Kings up 2-1. Kings take an enormous first-half lead. I can't remember it off the top of my head. It was like 18 or 21 points or something in the first half. Lakers slowly start to come back. Samaki Walker hits a three-pointer at the buzzer at halftime that should not have counted. He got it off after the buzzer sounded. There was no replay back then to amend it. Those points stay on the board. Close game all the way through to the fourth. Lakers are down one or two in the final moments. Kobe Bryant drives. Famous play. Divac tries to tip the ball out. Tips it right to Robert Ori. I still remember exactly where I was when that shot went in the air. I got off off the couch. I said, game over, when the ball was in the air. Ori splashes it through. We are tied at four. That kind of allows the Lakers to go on and win in seven. So it's curious if anyone out there would vote for Robert Ory.
1: This is actually, this is really funny. I'm glad you have a personal connection to that shot because for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, that's one of the most, that's one of the shots that I've probably tried to personally recreate the most, like in my backyard. I don't know why I didn't imagine myself as Shaq, or Kobe, or the primary, but I always made it bounce off the backboard and I catch it with the last couple of seconds to take that shot. Something about that was just so cold-blooded and just like the pure joy on Kobe and Shaq's faces, or he just gets this like wild bounce and makes it, I just incredible stuff, incredible.
0: I can't tell you how happy I am as well that Marv Albert was on that call. Uh, I loved Marv during his heyday and sort of his intonations, and I think Part of what you're alluding to, Kobe uh, Cody, is that boy. We got to get out of the Lakers (laughs) series. Is killing me. Um, Kobe drives, and Marv has this like, um, you know, there's only a couple seconds left, and he's like, and here's Bryant. Right, he he builds up that like, oh my goodness, this is it. And then the ball's tipped, and the ball's tipped, and when Dvots tips it out. Marv, I feel like, has the same realization that the rest of us do, which is like, oh my God, he tipped it to Robert freaking Ori. <laughs> and just his, he's like, he's like, Brian on the drive. Brian, no, here's Ori. <laughs> like, I wish we had a camera on Marv, but he's like,
1: oh my God, here's Ori. Yeah, just uh, just an all time moment. So yeah, I, I don't quite think that that moment or even uh, basketball references stat is quite enough to 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 turn it for Ori. So who's, who's your pick for this series? So who's who's the discord pick? Who's anyone picking in this?
0: My pick is the same as the discord pick. Unfortunately, no one picked Bob Ori. Mm. Um, I did like, and thought it was interesting. We had four votes for Kobe in that series. Wasn't his best series, uh, the shot and the scoring efficiency and some of the things that he does so well, he wasn't really able to at least statistically uptick there. Doug Christie, I think did a decent job throughout the series. And then Chris Weber. Actually finished second in the Discord with five votes. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some really nice plus-minus numbers, and we talked about especially his playmaking. In our playmaking, playmaking metric that I use, play value, he led the series. He was number one in the series. So with all that said, um, still a relatively easy and comfortable vote for me, especially compared to what we're going to get to later. Shaquille O'Neal, 2002 Western Conference Finals MVP, his second official Thinking Basketball uh, Conference MVP
1: this is so exciting not to move us ahead here, but I'm looking at 2003, Ben, it's not going to be Shaq or Kobe. Well, the Lakers were eliminated or the round
0: before, so they are not in this series, therefore not eligible. And Cody, you mentioned that this was going to be a long podcast. We have no idea how long we're going to be here. If we need to be here for a really long time, we'll just stop and come back in part two and just keep on trucking. But This is one of those moments where I don't think we need to spend too much time other than sort of Steve Kerr family members who want to give him all the credit for his 2006 shooting during that massive run with Tim Duncan on the bench in Game 6 in Dallas to close out the series. It's the Spurs and the Mavs, and it is the Tim Duncan show. Uh, This is one of the great what-ifs for me in NBA history, because... Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash, the offensive machine is rolling. Don Nelson is coaching the Mavericks. They're in the Western Conference Finals as an upstart team for the first time since the '80s. Game one, game two. These are very, very competitive, awesome games to rewatch if you can catch them. And then Dirk Nowitzki's out for the rest of the series. He has an injury. The Mavs shelve him, and they just frankly they they have more to like more like a spunky puncher's chance than this like competitive back and forth. Are they really the better team? Spurs were too much after that, and uh, not only did they win in six games, I alluded to that huge run in game six in Dallas with the key guys on the bench, but the rest of the time when Tim Duncan was on the floor, he pretty much just tortured Dallas. Um, He is the leader in points per game in this series, 28 points per game. He is the leader in our sort of combo all-in-one augmented plus minus stat way out in front of everyone else at plus seven. He's the leader in our Uh, box score model at back picks. He's the leader in the basketball reference box score model. uh, And he is my vote for the 2003 Western finals MVP.
1: Yeah. Something interesting about that series too, is that Don Nelson, the coach of the Mavericks, holding out Dirk because of that knee injury kind of caused a rift between him and Mark Cuban because Mark Cuban wanted Dirk to keep playing, even though Dirk ultimately agreed with Don Nelson's decision. So I don't know what island Cuban was on at that point. But going back to Duncan, I know like thinking basketball isn't like the let's just read some box score stats. But Ben, Tim Duncan averaged 28 points, 17 rebounds, six assists and three blocks during the series like that's. I look at that and I'm like, that's a man on a mission that's not playing against Shaq.
0: I I need to balance out all that raw box score data. I need to cleanse it out of my system with some quirky hipsterism. Um, So I should point out that in our Discord, Tim Duncan did not get all 38 votes Mm. somehow. He got 35 votes and we had one vote for Steve Nash and two votes for Manu Ginobili. And we're going to come back to this. I have a bone to pick. Mm. We're going to come back to this I'm foreshadowing in a couple years, but first, 2004, the Lakers, Cody, the Lakers are back. The Lakers are back to trip me up. I'm now realizing that uh, Kobe Bryant is in most of these for the entire decade, so I'm going to have to navigate in my old feeble mind the Kobe-Cody dichotomy <laughs> through all of these descriptions. 2004, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Gary Payton, and Karl Malone that sort of quote-unquote super team Lakers that came together after the disappointment of 2003 they're back in the conference finals and the Minnesota Timberwolves a completely stacked team with Kevin Garnett and Trenton ha- Hassel and Fred Ho- Hoiberg and Irvin oh Irvin Johnson was on now it's not magic Sam, it's
1: Sam Cassell
0: Sam Cassell the but Bucks he was right.
1: the Bucks legend Ben he, Sam
0: Cassell was riding an exercise bike for the majority of this series, which was a huge problem. Uh, You know, Minnesota led by Garnett. That was Garnett's monster 2004 MVP season. And now I think... Cody, we've reached a very interesting, very, very interesting point because in reviewing this series, especially with the way the Lakers were constructed, you don't have peak Shaq in 2000 or 2001 with these just monster dominant performances. You don't necessarily have Kobe Bryant with his 2001 just absolutely going off and slaying people. Uh, Certainly Peyton Carmelone had a nice defensive series and things like that, but you don't have anyone else sort of stand out. And then on the other side, you have Garnett. And especially when you rewatch this series, it's like Garnett is carrying a bunch of minions around with him on the floor and making the game competitive. And not only when you go to the film, which is something I just did for the, for the Greatest Peaks project uh, in rewatching a, a number of games in this series, but even when you look at the data in this series, um, Garnett actually led in, in BPM over on Basketball Reference, the average BPM per game in that series Shaq just beat him out in our back uh, back picks model but again these aren't monster numbers it's not like the Lakers had this overwhelming performance Garnett was the leader in augmented plus minus Garnett had really good plus minus stats throughout the series so I went back and forth on this one this was a this was a harder one for me and I ended up going with Kevin Garnett as the Western Conference Finals MVP in 2004
1: Ben I This was the first series that we did where I'm like, I'm so glad it's not my opinion that people care about on this show, because I don't know how I could pick. But I did ultimately end up saying that I think I would lean KG on this one. yeah Something yeah. going back and watching that was incredible, because I think, you know, this happened a lot with with Giannis and Durant. When people are like, oh, Giannis isn't guarding Durant, what kind of defensive player of the year are you sort of thing. It's the same sort of thing in this series, where at least the ones that I was watching, KG was not directly guarding Shaq. But what KG was able to do is you have whomever guarding Shaq, and then KG, usually guarding like Cara Malone, would help over and defend an entry pass. And then they would whip it over to Cara Malone, a pretty solid mid-range shooter and KG would just teleport back there like he would refuse the entry pass but he would also just teleport back and stop any advantage that you get get on the on the skip pass and just like that defensive intensity compared to anything that i saw from the lakers was 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 mind-blowing to me i think that right. was a key part of what they were able to do defensively
0: yeah i think he was the best defensive player in the series by like a, a mile yeah um, by, by like a Grand canyon size gap. And I think then when you look at the offensive side, considering the stretches where he was asked to play point guard, bring the ball up the floor, um, you know, Cassell couldn't play most of the series. The game one gave me some pause because I think it's his weakest game in the series. Uh, he ends up with only 16 points. We'll, we'll stick to the box score because we don't have too much information offhand, but 16 points, 10 boards, 2 assists, and they lose that game one. But the rest of the series, Cody... Game two, he was great. They won. Game three, I I think, you know, he was pretty good in game three. And then game four, five, and six, when you rewatch those games, uh, there are moments in some of the fourth quarters where Kobe Bryant is just, he's just too much because the Lakers just have too much talent relative to Minnesota. But. I mean, some of those moments, some of those games, the defense, Garnett in Game 5, they can't really hold on, 28 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists in Game 6 at home, he was just everywhere, 30 points, 19 rebounds, 4 assists, and then in Game 5 on the road, they weren't able to to hang on, Um, you know, Games 1 and Game 6, you know, not being able to have like these transcendent games, I think can give people some pause, but Cody... The Discord community, and we should say we we did our work, and I put my votes in for this episode uh, without knowing the results of the Discord community. We get the Discord community voting in: Kobe Bryant, five votes; Shaquille O'Neal, fourteen votes; Kevin Garnett, nineteen votes. He is also no voted yes. He has also voted as the 2004 Western Conference Finals MVP.
1: Oh, this is incredible. And for for the listeners out there, I have no idea about these results. I was not, I do not have the, I probably do have the document. I'm just willfully holding myself out of it, because I think that makes for for more entertaining listening. But I think, you know, a couple people out there, I was interested, because maybe someone would go back. And what I found interesting, they talked about this during the broadcast, is the best or the highest scoring three-man tandem, not tandem, three-man grouping during that season was actually KG, Sprewell, and Cassell. And number two was Kobe, Shaq, and Peyton. So you might be like, oh, why are we talking about KG not having help? They had the high-scoring three-person group in the league. But like you said, Cassell had an injury, and he was playing significantly fewer minutes and averaging significantly fewer points. It just wasn't anywhere near his regular self. So um, I'm glad to hear that the Discord community was able to ignore all of that and and vote for the right person.
0: I I actually thought before revisiting it that I was going to go with Kobe, um, but then I forgot, you know, you know, Kobe had some nice playmaking in certain games uh, like down the stretch of game six. But I had forgotten things like Kareem Rush in game six, drilling like three or four threes or something to kind of keep Minnesota at bay and and hold off. And if they lose that game and it goes back to game seven and maybe I don't know if Cassell was able to play. I mean, the thing is, it's a much closer series than I had remembered. Um, even even Shaq's sort of point differential when he was on the court in the series was only plus 4.7 which you know super close series it'll be even or, or slight like plus one or plus two that's like a coin flip series so plus 4.7 still a relatively close series um and that was enough for me to kind of lean garnett here
1: yeah i i think we're on the same page with this series another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to say for it
0: Now we go back to a fresh, brand new, now that the now that, that Lakers thing is over, Shaq's been traded to the heat. In the West, we can get to some fresh blood. And the 2005 uh, Western Conference, wait a second, the Spurs won the Western
1: Conference. <laughs> We're back on the Spurs. We get the Suns, though. We got some new blood in here. I'm actually interested. I'm going to try and remember and call out when we get a series with a team we haven't seen yet. We'll see if that happens today.
0: Spurs and the Suns. 2005 western conference finals um this is a series where okay we might get stuck on this series. Mm. oh boy so this was a five game series it was not a super close series but it was not a route phoenix was very very competitive and san antonio won a couple close road games in phoenix in game game five and then I want to say game one was also a game where they grounded out down the stretch. We should remember this. You and I just rewatched a ton of games in this series like a week ago. But um, in my basketball world, that was like 107 games ago because just binge old games all summer. Uh, Okay, so this series, if you look at the leaders in this series, we've alluded to it before. I just want to put out how diverse the leaderboard is of this series is statistically. First of all, if you look at basketball references, Box Plus Minus, Manu Ginobili and Amari Stoudemire are tied at plus 7.7 for the series. Uh, just for some perspective, the only two series we've encountered that would be better than that so far are Kobe in 2001 and Duncan in 2003. Our bo- back, back picks Box Plus Minus model has Duncan as the best box score player in the series at plus plus seven. Augmented plus minus has Manu Ginobili. Amari Stoudemire, by the way, Cody, averaged 37 points a game in this series. Don't adjust your phone or your car radio or your computer or your tablet or whatever your watch, whatever whatever device you can listen to a podcast on. 37 points per game in the five-game series. His scoring value, that metric that we have that tries to estimate the value of a player scoring by looking at context and taking into account his volume and his efficiency and translating it into some per game kind of number thing plus 5.2 that plus 5.2 is the second best uh, excuse me the third best western conference finals scoring value that we are going to encounter here today but did he get All those easy points and all those buckets or most of them. I mean, Amari is such a dynamic player, but did he get most of them because of Steve Nash, who led the series in playmaking value? Um, There's a lot to there's a lot
1: to discuss. There is. isn't. I think something one thing that actually hurt the Spurs is if I'm looking at some of these numbers correctly, they actually had a negative net rating when Nazi Muhammad and Tim Duncan were on the court together, and they started at least a couple of the games together. And one reason that they were able to do that is, again, kind of like I was talking about with David Robinson and Shaq a couple of seasons prior, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, were able to abuse them a little bit more in a pick-and-pop sort of game, because Amari Stoudemire was both a tremendous pick-and-pop and and a pick-and-roll kind of player. And not only was he just like, he catches it and finishes, and obviously Nash set up quite a few dunks, but Stoudemire was really talented with the ball in his hands. Like It wasn't just like, oh, I got the ball I'm just going to dunk now. No, he had a couple moves in there. He could post up. He could get a dribble drive. And it wasn't until the Spurs went more small that they saw a lot more success. So I think that exploitation of how the Spurs were playing also helped Stoud- Stoudemire in this matchup.
0: So Nash was right behind uh, Duncan in our... Uh, box score model he was right behind Manu Ginobili in our augmented plus minus model which takes into account net rating and box score and things like this kind of tries to ballpark if we had uh, like an adjusted plus minus for the series what would it look like so a number of big names here Um, Manu Ginobili in in this series had the best net rating the Spurs were plus nine with him on the floor which is not a super close series and it was a five game series and I kind of summarize this series like this if Manu Ginobili weren't in this series Phoenix might win this series and in the minutes that Manu Ginobili weren't on the court this series was super competitive and when Manu Ginobili was on the court he he basically he basically destroyed the Suns. I mean, he he basically tortured the Suns. This to me was his series. And down the stretch, it wasn't Tim Duncan in the post. It wasn't Tony Parker. It was spread pick and roll with Manu Ginobili, in multiple close games, getting to the basket, making jumpers, making pocket passes, making skip passes, absolutely destroying the opposition. And he had a number of big defensive plays. Just a tremendously underrated defensive player. This was Manu at his peak anyway. <sighs> I'm going to go Manu Ginobili. I-, I feel good about this one. This one wasn't one that I was, like, stuck on. I- after rewatching it, I felt good. My vote is for Manu Ginobili, 2005 Western Conference Finals MVP. And here's the bone I have to pick with our Discord. For the first time, we have a disagreement. They went with Tim Duncan. Mm. 25 of the 38 votes to Duncan. Amari did get four votes. Steve Nash did get a vote. But Manu only eight votes. I mean, this to me has to be at the worst, uh, kind of like a toss-up. And like I said, I feel comfortable. I think Ginobili was the difference in this
1: series. I absolutely thought so, too, because on the other side of that coin, Nash and Stoudemire could not handle a Manu Ginobili pick-and-roll. Like, the way that he was able to dice them up, both for his creation, for his passing creation and his scoring, was just... He was just incredible. Parker had the same sort of thing, but Ginobili was just, to me, had more in his bag, scoring wise, to top Parker.
0: And and if you're thinking, well, maybe you could say Ginobili per minute was slightly better, or something like that. But maybe we vote for Duncan because he has has big minutes, or maybe Duncan averaged, you know, Duncan averaged twenty seven and fourteen. He ended up leading the the series in scoring. Um, but again. Duncan played 40 minutes a game. Manu played 37 minutes a game in this series. He started all five games. This was not a selective kind of minute series. He was the key offensive factor for San Antonio. And again, just because he wasn't the leader in scoring, I did feel like for longer stretches of the game and especially down the stretch, it was Ginobili ball where more stuff was running through him or he was making more critical plays, setting up Duncan's scores Or Duncan was getting extra stuff on offensive rebounds because of what happened upstream. And, you know, that's how he ends up leading the the series in scoring. But I do think Ginobili was the best offensive player, clearly, for San Antonio in this series.
1: And when you go granular with the plus-minus stuff, their net rating is consistently the best whenever Manu is in one of those lineups. So you can look at it statistically, too, and I think that backs it up. Uh,
0: Let's go to 2006, where we... I guess we don't have new blood, technically. 2006 <laughs> is the Suns and the Mavericks. This is the the showdown of former teammates. Dirk Nowitzki would win MVP in 2007. Steve Nash was the reigning MVP in 2006. But this was a Suns team without Amari Stoudemire. This was a Suns team that was not expected to be there. That kind of ran out of big men. They were running Kurt Thomas as a big man earlier in the year and had some really successful lineup numbers with him, Overall and on defense, I think they're much better defensively than people realize because that team, even though it was small ball ahead of its time, it was Kurt Thomas, Sean Marion, Raja Bell. So you had good defensive talent out on the court. But once they lost Kurt Thomas, I mean, by the time they got to the playoffs in that Lakers series, they were playing like Tim Thomas at center, Cody Milwaukee Bucks legend, Tim Thomas, who basically came into the league as a small forward and back then had no business playing center. So I always felt Phoenix was kind of overmatched. Um, Good series from Steve Nash. Big series from Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Dirk Nowitzki, uh, he had a 50-piece in this series, Cody.
1: Yeah, Dirk was absolutely incredible. Just incredible.
0: Huge game in this series um, with the 50-pointer. And again, if you look at the stat line, Dirk kind of almost sweeps it across the board. Leading scorer, 28 points per game. Uh, Best efficiency, volume, combination of scoring. Uh, looks like the best player in the box score big box score numbers um Nash was the other guy I really looked at but it's it was hard for me to really see the case for Nash here so I go Dirk Nowitzki 2006 Western Conference Finals MVP
1: shout out Boris Diaw, though, in this series. Because if you want to go and just experience the Boris Diaw experience, that man was in his bag this series. Like, you you watch, has this one pass. I mean, anytime he posted up, you had no idea what magic was going to happen. Was he going to spin on you and throw it down? One of these, he's like, spinning one way, spinning to the right, throwing a no-look, curling to the left for a dunk pass. I mean, this guy was 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 just brilliant to watch. So I Nash was really fun to watch, but young, young Boris Diaw was just a sight to be hold There's
0: a moment, I think it's before the playoffs. I think it's earlier in the season where the Suns are on ESPN and Bill Walton is doing the color. And um, one, Bill Walton, of course, just endlessly entertaining. But two, going back and watching old games, I think he's one of the most underrated color commentators ever because lost in the flare are these brilliant <laughs> observations that he sees in real time. And Boris, the, he has a Boris Giao comment that, Really kind of like put me back in my seat when I heard it. It was, I think it was early in the season, I want to say, regular season game. And Walton just goes something like, and Boris Diaw's come in and he's just completely changed everything for Phoenix. He's changed the entire culture in the organization, just playing the most beautiful basketball. And and you're like, he's coming off the bench at this point in time. You're like, what is happening? Um, but yes, the Boris Diaw experience is just phenomenal.
1: That was Man, that was fantastic. I'm I'm honored that you whipped that that impression out right now.
0: I've I've had my I've had my caffeine. It's been a while since I was able to impersonate uh, anyone other than myself. Let's go Let's go to the 2007. Wait, how did Western? How did the Discord vote? Oh, thank you. This is why Cody's here. Whoo! Remember the days when you weren't here and I would just like forget things for an entire episode, and then people would have to tell me afterwards. I don't think you ever talked about Boris Diaw before I was here. No, uh, no. Dirk Nowitzki was the winner of this, and Steve Nash did pick up six votes. Okay. So there were some people uh, who, who gave the shout-out to Nash on the losing side. Those were the only two guys getting votes. The next series gets trickier. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm ready for oh, this. Oh, boy, did I get stuck on the next series. And I'll tell you just right away as a spoiler that the Discord has three different players getting multiple multiple votes here. Those three players are uh, Tim Duncan, the aforementioned Manu Ginobili. But both of these guys have won... Western Conference Finals MVPs already. I mean, it was probably in their mind when they went into the series knowing that they had the Thinking Basketball uh, Magic Johnson trophy uh, in their house somewhere safe. And then Darren Williams. And you know, you're saying like, D- Darren Darren Williams? that Yo, okay. He was really young in this series. This was back when people used to have these wild Darren Williams, Chris Paul debates. Um, I was never that, like, I was never like Darren Williams is better than Chris Paul, but I was legit and I think it still stands up watching it, that, like, Darren Williams was a really good offensive player. Fantastic offensive player when he was in Utah. And he had a huge series. Um, The thing is, this wasn't a close series. It's really weird. It wasn't a close series. But every game, Darren Williams is doing his thing. He's carving up the defense a little bit making beautiful pocket passes out of the pick and roll in the utah jerry sloan offense to carlos boozer and things like that and he hits like every jumper he's on fire every clip game rendition of this series that i could find when i was re-watching it uh it feels like he never misses so you end up with this thing where the jazz lose the series handily But then Darren Williams looks like the best player in the basketball reference box score model. He looks like the best player in the backpicks model. He's the leading scorer in the series at 26 points per game. He's the leading uh, scoring value player in that model. He's the leading playmaker value in that model. Um, And then, like, you look at some plus-minus. You're like, okay, what are the Spurs lineups that are the best lineups? Uh, Fabricio Alberto leads the team in net rating at plus-13. So again, the series is a landslide, like plus 13, but it's like Fabricio Alberto doing things. I don't know. Um, came down to Duncan Ginobili, and I, I did think a decent amount about Darren Williams to me. In rewatching the series, I did feel like Duncan's post scoring, they went to his post scoring more in this series than the Phoenix series, and then also his defensive presence were the difference
1: makers, and kind of put me over the top. So I went with Tim Duncan. I'm glad. This is a series I punted on. I, I couldn't pick one for this one. But going back to the Darren Williams conversation, during during the series, Jeff Van Gundy at one point calls him the best young point guard in the league. I'm not sure if that's an official weigh-in on the Chris Paul conversation. But then Mark Jackson follows it up by calling him a combination of Jason Kidd and Baron Davis which I don't recall either of them even close to having the uh the jump shooting prowess that Darren Williams had but something I liked about Jerry Sloan's offense is like it wasn't just when you say that there's a lot of pick and rolls and you think of the jazz and things like that, it wasn't like a hardened pick and roll sort of offense. Like Darren Williams was actually pretty talented off ball. He was really good at running some routes, coming off pin downs and then starting a pick and roll. But that you, you brought apart Carlos Boozer to me. I was, I was more blown away by the Mehmet Mokur pick and pop game with Darren Williams. I mean, the Spurs just felt like what, what is this? What are we dealing with right now? That was what stood out to me the most offensively. Um,
0: Defensively, though, you had some problems oh, with, yeah. with those guys. Oh, yeah. But Tony, Parker, Tony Parker, just constant pressure on Williams. Um, you know, I really made it. If I was thinking about Darren, that kind of eliminated it because Spurs just had so much success going at him. I thought Parker had really big moments in this series with creating all that pressure. But as I said, Tim Duncan post offense. Um, his defense, he had three blocks per game in the series. Uh, you know, he was a little shaky at times against that Darren Williams pick and roll, but I think the rest of the defense was there. So uh, Manu Ginobili, he's always great during these years, and he kind of crushed Utah in the fourth and final win. Um, I think he had 16 in the fourth quarter in that game to close out the series. The Jazz had 17, and of course he's hes doing good things uh, in early games in the series, but kind of kind of ended up feeling most comfortable with Duncan in this series. How did the Discord vote? The Discord agreed. Ooh, okay. Yes, they went with Tim Duncan as well. 28 votes for Tim Duncan, 6 for Ginobili, 4 for Darren Williams. All right, now, the Spurs, I believe that's it. No more Spurs for a long time. Um, 2000- are, are you sure? <laughs> 2000, 2008, fresh blood. Are you sure, Ben? Is it the Spurs? Is it the Spurs? And guess who? The Lakers are back. The Lakers are back. The Spurs and the Lakers. How is anyone going to navigate through this episode? If you're jumping around (laughs) with your scroll, you're just never going to know what year we're in. It's the Lakers and the Spurs. Uh, this This one kind of blew me away in that the Discord has three different players receiving multiple votes. Pau Gasol gets two votes, of course. Pau came to the Lakers in 2008 they had that huge run not only in the playoffs but once he got there in the regular season this was Kobe Bryant's MVP year in a stacked candidacy Um, the Spurs defeated the Hornets Chris Paul's Hornets speaking of young point guards of the time in a seven game series Ginobili was was big in that series as well but the thing about Ginobili in this series in 2008 that I thought was just way too much for them to overcome was he had an ankle injury that required surgery in the off season, and he any kind of played hobbled in this series um cody i just thought kobe bryant was was too much in this series
1: i say not to tip my hand too much but i think this starts a string of a few years where i don't know how much of a discussion we're going to have or, or disagreement because i felt the same way i thought kobe was just magnificent this series
0: We created a leaderboard um, for the stats we've been referencing, and this is the only series in either the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference after the year 2000 that a player sweeps Every major category we 've discussed, Kobe is number one in the box plus minus models. we have and at basketball reference. he leads the series at twenty nine points per game. He leads the series in scoring value. he leads the series in playing value. he has the best net rating in the series, plus seven, which I think is reflective of the series. It was a competitive series wasn 't super close wasn 't a blowout, could have gone you know deeper than the five games, but when you when you get that gentleman's kind of take two at home, get one on the road, come back for game five, uh, and and Kobe was just fantastic. And if you look at the other players statistically, not only did he sweep all those categories, but second place was they were often a distant second place. I think the closest one was augmented plus minus. Tim Duncan was relatively close. So this this was a I would say dominant. This was a dominant Western Conference Finals performance from Kobe. I rewatched most if not all five games of this series for his greatest peaks profile and i thought he was spectacular
1: um i know there's a conversation about Pau gasol at least in the finals how how effective do you think he was comparatively in this series like how how much credence do you give to the argument for Pau gasol here
0: you mean the 2010 finals against the celtics yeah 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 yeah, I thought about Pau Gasol when I was watching that series in 2010. You know, his defense, his size, his rebounding. But this team was a little different. Uh, this team didn't even have Andrew Bynum. He was injured for the run. This team was a more offensively centric team. They had Vlad Madronovich um, stretching out at the four. The 2010 team was a grindier, run our test is out there kind of team. So uh, this, this was a, you know, not even close. Pau's good, but he's not at the same wavelength as Kobe and Kobe probably just has a better results for results night to night series.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I ultimately agree with that, but I do know, like you said, there's a couple discord folks that voted for Pau Gasol in on this one.
0: Uh, and did we get any, any other votes for discord? I think we had uh, two, t- yeah, two Pau Gasols and five Tim Duncans, which I have a bone to pick about that. I feel like this should have been potentially our first unanimous sweep. Do we even have any unanimous sweeps? we don't not at all
1: not in any series? not at all wow. not at all
0: the closest is we have one series with someone getting 37 of 38 votes but this to me in my head if i were to split my personality into 39 different <laughs> versions of me that could all argue with each other it would be 39 no for kobe um speaking of kobe 2009 lakers are back this time against the nuggets new blood <laughs> new blood the chauncey billups denver nuggets um this was this was another one of those series that was like kind of competitive at times but I felt like the Lakers were significantly better and I think it ended up going 6 games is that right off the top of my head yeah 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 but then but then you look at the the leaders in point differential and things like that Lamar Odom plus 11 it's indicative of a pretty dominant series and guess what Kobe took all the other main categories. Again, he was the leader in the box score. He was the leader in augmented plus minus. He averaged 34 points per game in the series. Uh, He did a detailed episode on how he adjusted his playmaking to the Denver overloading in the series. Once again, I just thought... Uh, he was by far the best offensive player in the series, and there was no one out there in this series that had the defensive or two-way chops to, I think, really challenge him.
1: I think that's the thing, because if you look at the Nugget side, I don't know how you feel about the latent value. We're going to talk about latency soon. I'm saving that conversation. Uh, but I don't know if you want to talk about the latent conversa- uh, value of like Chauncey Billups, but Mello, Mello led the team in scoring with like 27 points on plus-one efficiency, but I just didn't think he did enough creating for his teammates or defensively to really ratchet up his own uh, candidacy in this conversation. I just didn't really consider Melo for for that long either.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Either on film or even statistically, it just wasn't, you know, I think Melo had these moments in New York where he would have these, you know, 35, 45 point games, massive runs, a ton of threes. It wasn't quite that type of series from him and then Chauncey Billups who we may mention later on when we when we finally get to the East I don't know what year it'll be when we when we make it to the Eastern <laughs> Conference I'm looking at the clock uh we're already like an hour in but um it wasn't that kind of series from from Chauncey either so this one was pretty clearly Kobe to me okay now we've probably got all our Lakers stuff out of our we're system so let's move What the discord say The discord I'm assuming Kobe S- but just for said yes Kobe wins the MVP, and Carmelo Anthony did get two votes here, and then Pau Gasol uh, with five votes. I mean, it was still pretty much a landslide for me. This feels like a series where maybe the team structure changes a little bit and you can talk yourself more into Pau's value. Uh, But I actually think the 2010 finals, where Kobe's great for a while with certain tough shot making and things like that, but the nature of the series lends itself more to like Pau's defense, Pau's rebounding, interior play, some of Pau's key buckets and scoring and his Game 7 where Kobe struggles in Game 7. I think that's a better argument to me for Gasol uh, to win a series MVP than one of these Western Conference Finals, even this one.
1: Well, then let's move on to 2010 and see if Pau Gasol is able to, to steal the Conference Finals too. <laughs> I, should,
0: I should say that he did get a couple more
1: votes in the Discord.
0: Maybe they're just some Pau Gasol truthers. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me. In the Discord.
1: That wouldn't surprise me. Reach out.
0: 2000... Reach out if you are. I want to hear from you. 2010, we have completely fresh blood. It's the Lakers and the Suns. Uh, um, Wow, I I did not realize until doing this how many teams... Like, the Nuggets in 2009 are a one-off, but the rest of the... I guess the Kings in 2002... The Jazz in 07. And the Jazz in 07. and, And the rest of the Western Conference Finals are just the Lakers... (laughs) <laughs> the spurs and the the phoenix suns
1: and the dallas mavericks for an entire decade oh the blazers and the blazers there's a couple one-offs ah
0: the blazers yeah yeah, yeah. the 2000
1: technically uh, that's four. not the same decade but we don't want to talk about that
0: no we don't we don't want to get into no wait a second i thought the decade started on the zero doesn't it start on the one i know i think the decades i don't know who comes up with this these rules are just so the decade i think starts on the zero but a century indexes at one. I'm sure there's a listener out there who can tag us and let us know the truth and the history of this. These are very
1: important things that come up on a typical episode of I w- Thinking Basketball. I want no fewer than a 10-tweet thread in response to this question. That's it. That's the only way I will listen if you talk about this to me. And how can people tag you on that? It's um, LG35 on Twitter. That's, a, that's what you want to do. Do it multiple times, so I definitely don't miss it.
0: That is definitely not the way to... Uh, to if, if anyone doesn't know, that's my handle instead of uh, Cody's handle. Um, let's move on to the, the 2020, 2010 Western Conference Finals. This was a really fun year. It was sort of seen as a more wide open field. The Suns got hot in the second half of the season. They still had Amari Stoudemire. It was still Steve Nashball. But, you know, Mike D'Antoni was gone. In was Alvin Gentry. Uh, you had guys like Jason Richardson playing key three-point shooting roles for Phoenix. And the Lakers, as we mentioned a second ago, had sort of progressed their team into a, a, a Ron test, grindy, big, physical. You know, Andrew Bynum would start and play as much as he could, basically. And you had, like, a le- you know, Lamar Odom, Pau Gasol, and Andrew Bynum, if they were ever on the court at the same time, was, like, 18 feet of, of wingspan. Um, actually, more, probably. It was more, like, 21 feet. Yeah, I wouldn't wing be surprised if they
1: broke twenty feet.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, they have to. They're all they're all like seven footers. Those guys are enormous. And Bynum himself had like a seven and a half foot wingspan or something. So this was a this was a really fun, kind of high octane offensive series. Nash had these moments where he was just absolutely incredible. Um and the key to this series, so if you look at Lamar Odom was once again the highest sort of on-court rating in the series, plus seven. So again, competitive, but not like super, super close series. But we had the moment in this series, this point of inflection in game five. The series is tied at two. The Suns, Nash with another just storming fourth quarter, slicing up the opposition. And off the top of my head, I want to say Jason Richardson banked in a three-pointer in a furious rally down the stretch to tie the game Lakers have the ball they inbound it to Kobe Nash takes a free run at him which i always thought was a great move by Nash knowing that Kobe would never pass it in that situation kind of taking advantage of that hero ball wart Kobe takes this crazy double team fade away with a couple seconds left airballs it right oh yeah it's an airball and then Ron, and Ron Artest scoops that baby up out of the sky and rescue Ron Artest rescued the 2010 lakers multiple times he hit the crazy three in game seven of the final. that was a
1: tough shot it, he made too on the putback that wasn't an easy putback yeah. that was kind of this wild angular off the top of the backboard sort of thing
0: yeah he, he he jumps out of the air catches it puts this up and in at the buzzer i believe lakers take game five they go to phoenix for game six the suns constantly tried this zone and kobe was just like oh i'll turn into steph curry if you try the zone and just launching like fadeaway threes over and over again, he went ballistic in Game Six. The the shot making at that point in his career, um, and in that series, this was a Kobe that had his knee drained to start the playoffs. He was a little bit older. He's losing some of the athletic pop. He had a he had a weird avulsion thing on his on his index finger. Did not matter. The central nervous system was dialed in. Um, kobe ended up averaging 34 points per game once again in the series and even better efficiency and score value numbers in the series and he led the series in augmented plus minus he led the series in box plus minus whether you look at our model or basketball references model he is my vote for western conference finals mvp in
1: 2010 so i'm going to turn into just reading stats mode for a second but kobe going through your your database here this was his best series, period. Not Western Conference Final Series, but best series, period, in box creation, in play val, in, not play val, in score val, in offensive uh, box plus minus, and... uh there might have been even something else. Did I say box creation? I did. Anyway, he was second. It was in, good. Second in points per 75. And I think his second most efficient scoring, 31.8 points per 75 on plus 10 efficiency. If you want to see Kobe and possibly his statistical offensive peak in a single series, this right here, 2010, um, Western Conference Finals, go watch this for just premier Kobe Bryant.
0: Yet somehow, um, in the Discord, four votes to Pau Gasol, three votes to Steve Nash. I think this is another runaway for Kobe. That gives Kobe. Uh, I believe he's the he's the leader in the clubhouse right now with four conference finals MVPs. Four of them, um, and and we are eleven years in. And Kobe, I, uh, Cody, I, I did it. I did it again. I did it again. Um, this could be a good drinking game. Cody, I, I, I think it's a good time to pause. And we're going to come back and do the second, the next decade that takes us from 2011 to 2021 for part two of the Western Conference Finals. And then, of course, we will, we will circle back in the episode after that for the Eastern Conference Finals. How's, how's that sound? That
1: sounds great. Ending on the Kobe Dynasty sounds like a, a good end point.
0: It feels like a good a good inflection point. Um, any other thoughts before we pause and and restart uh, at the end of this episode?
1: When you said it had been eleven years, I thought you were referencing to us recording, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds right.
0: <laughs> uh, if you want to support this show, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Thinking Basketball. All of the data that we're referencing in this episode is available to Patreon subscribers. I believe in the insider. Tier or higher patreon.com slash thinking basketball we have our discord community that we mentioned they talk about this stuff and run historical projects all the time we have these old stats we have additional content if you're interested in that that is of course the best way to directly support this podcast hope you enjoyed this one um, and thanks as always for listening all the way to the end that wherever you are you're having a great day